Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 192 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Ander, and I'm joined this week by a man who is sitting up and not lying down, a man who is uh, currently rifling through the uh, his filing system on the desk, trying to find all the wonderful news that he's going to bring to your earbuds this week. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, Robbie, mate. Good. How are you? You're uh, oh, mate, I'm, relaxed. I'm, do- I'm doing great. I'm reclining on the couch in the spare room with my right calf raised because I tried doing things that 44-year-old men shouldn't do, Lewis. I tried taking up Taekwondo again. And guess what? My body doesn't think I should. <laughs> Conor McGregor, hey, he's coming to you uh, the on the uh, Josh Rogan podcast. Is that right? The MMA Robbie uh, debut didn't go quite as well. Bit more, perhaps no. like the the Iranian Hulk, was it, mate? Where you you know, you, you bit photoshopped and went out there a bit unprepared. A little bit, a little bit un, unprepared. Although the, I think the problem was was that my my head started remembering a lot of the muscle memory stuff that it did back when it was a teenager, and um, yeah, unfortunately that that particular part of my brain hasn't realised that yeah, the body's not the same as what it was back when we were, I, was a, I was a supple 15-year-old. Now I'm a, 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 a less than supple, nearly 45-year-old. Um, yeah, life's just not quite not quite the same. And the uh, the soft tissue injuries came back to uh, – so got snipered from the grassy knoll, which was a bit of a shame. Oh, mate. So the roundhouse hammer kick got you again, was it? Which What are we talking here? Yeah, no, it was the it was the roundhouse, and um, it was the uh, the third of a uh, the third of a ten kick combo that I was going for. Oh, right. So, so probably not necessarily what I should have been doing on day two of uh, <laughs> of my of my taekwondo resurgence. But um, then because uh, it, was, it was a family session, um, so doing it with the kids, and so then um, after that, so I was up there doing the kicks with the with the grown ups, and then uh, they all right now go back down to your kids and bring your things down, and I hobble down, and the kids are going. What happened? What happened? Going, oh yeah, yeah. No, did, did my calf again, guys. So, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. let's just let's just take it easy with Daddy now. So yeah, did you didn't you didn't pass the, the you didn't get your pink belt this today, mate? You didn't pass the uh, pink pink belt with one one sparkly stripe or something. You, you missed out today, eh? Well, Camille did actually get her uh, her little kicking kicking stripe today, so it's I think it's um it's sim- similar to Cub Scouts at our particular um uh, uh, Taekwondo center, where when you achieve different things, they give you a different color along your uh, on your on your white belt, uh, and so from there, so she got a she got a kicking one today, uh, and to be honest. You know, I mean, I thought I was kicking pretty good right up until the point where I um, tore my leg. So maybe I maybe it was a consequence of the fact that I wasn't doing it properly and injured myself for the reason why I didn't get my little green kicking stripe as well. Your little stripe on your pink belt, mate. Oh, well, next week, next week. Or maybe maybe a month out of a week, a month off, might, I'd say, a, a, by, the, by the sound of it. Might be. It might be a little bit more upper body stuff. Hopefully I might get my kicking or blocking stripes, Lewis, when I'm sort of just wheeling around in my uh, in my Zimmer frame there over the next couple of weeks. Nice, nice. Now, anything – let's get back to work, mate. Anything happen exciting this week at all? 
Did you anything happen of- at work today? Well, unfortunately, like listeners will remember, the last week we were talking about the um the FIP kitties um that we saw Ooh, yeah. um over the week. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not treating any FIP kitties anymore. The uh, uh, they, they both had to get put to sleep. Unfortunately, the one oh, that, that's horrible. The, yeah, the one that was showing the um the the dry signs, um she she ended up uh, yeah, showing signs of uh, paralysis in her uh, in her back legs and um and the owners uh, didn't want to be a, a pursuing further investigation or b going through for further treatment. So so they elected euthanasia and unfortunately the poor little uh, little other kitty that then was showing the wet signs she stopped eating and and again yeah the owners didn't want to uh, pursue treatment so or further investigation so. So they um they made the decision to put her to sleep as well. So so unfortunately, uh yeah, FIP um, you know, for our, our FIP cases again for the last couple of years, yeah, 0 and 2. But um, you know, it's sort of gave everyone in the clinic a bit more of a, a, a razz up and a re a rethink on what the disease is and how to be trying to pick it up. So, mm. you know, it's um one one of those things where you know, while you know, not that it's necessarily all that great a news for the poor cats. We can sort of take something from it and go, well, you know, we, we can still make sure that we're uh, picking up on the disease. And now we've got, we know we've got all these other options up our sleeve as well. Yeah. So for the listener, FIP is feline infectious parrots and itis. And it's interesting, um, you know, you talk about you had two cats, unfortunately, that, you know, you know, seemed like they, they succumbed to it. I had a couple of cats during the week that, We've had a few cats with diarrhea lately, which is, I don't know if, if you have, it seems like we've had a run of it. And uh, a couple of cats, I sent off some poo samples, you know, um, just to make sure there's no parasites in there or any sort of, you know, weird bugs or infections. And two of them came back with um, positive for feline coronavirus. Oh, right. There which, you go. Yeah, which as um you know, the listeners may or may not know. Obviously, COVID is a coronavirus. So, so um, you know, telling owners that number one, their cats have got coronavirus, and then trying to explain to them it's but not that at coronavirus. All. That's right. Nothing at all related to to COVID that we've got, and every mammal has its own coronavirus, and you can't catch it. And doing all that spiel and that sort of thing. But then also, you've got to do the spiel where, well, if they Google coronavirus in cats. They will most yes. likely get a reference to fe- to FIP or feline infectious peritonitis. So, absolutely, you do sort of have to cover that a little bit and go. Well, you know, yes, your cat's positive in their feces, but a lot of cats carry or or you know shed coronavirus in their feces. It doesn't mean they're going to get FIP because they need to sort of seroconvert. And your cat's eight years old, and normally FIP occurs in a younger cat, and just all this sort of stuff. But it's quite a long spiel. Whereas normally in a dog, you just go, yeah, coronavirus is not COVID. It's got a bit of diarrhea. It's fine. It's just yep. that little bit extra you got to talk about with cats to uh, just allay fears, knowing that potentially owners are going to Google it and uh, and and try and get a bit from a bit more information. It is always that hard thing when you do um, uh, the. You've always got to be careful what Google shows you, Lewis, you know, just because Google doesn't know how much information you need or how much information you don't need. Google just pours it all out for you. And sometimes, yeah, yeah, it can complicate things a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was interesting. Also, uh, I had a... uh, uh, one of the other vets came to me with a, I don't know if it was a friend of theirs or a client they'd seen who recently become pregnant. And, um, And so because they're pregnant, of course... He'd recommended. Yeah, there's, only one, there's only one thing to be recommended there. And that's, that's right. Yeah. How that's, to tell your uh, dog or that you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Know how. Just that's tell your them. dog you're pregnant. 
Oh, not how, not, not Lewis not has how. gone on how to get pregnant. You, you like to add that how in there, but it's just tell your dog you're pregnant. Just right. for the listeners out there, babyandpet.com.au if you're in Australia or you know, Amazon. Anyway, thanks so thanks sponsoring the show. Um, does, have you thought about having a little addendum on there on um how to tell your dogs and cats what's happening no. while you're trying to get pregnant? No, that's not no, a no, no how. No, no, no just, how. No how. No. Just Tell your dog you're pregnant. Yeah. Right. All right. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, how. Yeah. yeah. Not. Not. Not when or where. Yeah. How. 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 Yeah. No. How. No. How. Who? So did the, did so the dogs these... and cats have to know who is it was involved? Horton. Or? Horton. Here's a who. <laughs> Horton heard a who, and Horton then had to be told that, that, his right. was, that, that his dog was pregnant. How. Right. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. And so the uh, the owner was pregnant, and the vet was sort of saying, you know, and the dog started to become quite aggressive and protective of the owner. Right. Thought, oh, that's a little bit weird. I thought, I don't, don't really recall that happening very often. We do get some dogs that, um, that certainly become perhaps a bit clingy of the owner and some dogs that perhaps avoid an owner when they're pregnant. Um, I think it's about 50% of, of cats or dogs sort of in inverted commas seem to know when an owner's pregnant. And then 50% have no idea. Don't, don't even really care. It's just Flipping the coin. Yeah. That's, um, that's just my professional experience with the right. situation. No study, no double blind. Unpublished data. Yeah, unpublished yeah, data. Yeah, yeah, just yet to be published, I, w- I would yet say. To you know, yeah, yet right. to be published. Yeah, certainly in the works, long works to, to be published. <laughs> and uh, anyway, this dog would become, you know, sort of started being aggressive and protective. So people approached the owner and was growling and sort of, uh, you know, barking at, at people. And, and I sort of thought, that's really weird. I haven't really seen that situation before. And so, you know, being a behaviorist, always got more questions about it. And I was sort of like, well, what sort of dog is it? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a chihuahua. I thought, all right, yeah, okay, fair enough. So, so smaller dog. Um, and, uh, and I thought, yeah, still, still doesn't ring a bell. I haven't really seen that before. And then I've gone, how old's the dog? And it turned out the dog was 18 months old. And I right. thought, aha, okay. I think the it's more to do with the dog going through social maturity ah. and starting to become a little protectively aggressive rather than specifically the fact that the owner is pregnant. So interesting how in my head I was like, well, that just doesn't seem right to me. I haven't heard of that. And then one little change to just a little bit of the information of you know the signalment or the 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 history of the dog just gives me a bit more information. Let's you know you're probably not related to the pregnancy. So always good to get a bit more information. Well, there you go. It's, um, uh, yeah, I, I was worried that it might've been that the, uh, the Chihuahua was concerned that the, uh, the handbag was going to get filled up with, uh, nappies and, uh, and, and, and face washes and, and wet wipes and things like that. So the trail was going to have to actually walk around on the ground itself. <laughs> not likely. No, not no, not no, likely. no, very unlikely. I'd say it, it just end up with a second bag, one nappy bag for the, for the chihuahua and one for the baby. Yeah. One on each arm, you reckon. Yeah. And then also or, or maybe, maybe a front Bjorn and a back Bjorn. So you can have the chihuahua in the front and the baby in the back. Nice. Nice. I like your thinking. Yeah. And uh, also today I had a, a dog come in, booked in, uh, uh, it was a dog we hadn't seen before, uh, entire female um, discharge from the vulva. I was like, Uh-oh. oh, uh, yeah, Uh-oh. Uh, it's, it it's a sound, Saturday. Yes, it doesn't sound so good. And, and the listener out there, what we're uh, often thinking of that is, is thinking of what's called a pyometra or um, a pus-filled uterus, which sounds mm. disgusting. Yep. Um, 
And uh, it's a reasonably urgent sort of situation. Generally, we need to de uh, spay, take out the uterus um, yes. to, to sort of cure that sort of thing. So that's what I thought. And those come in, walked in and, uh, uh, you know, had a look at the dog. Yeah, put, you know, dog up on the table, had a look. I've uh, gone, oh, just looks like your dog's in season at the moment. He goes, oh, yeah, it's Ooh. just blood. It's just straight blood dripping i was like oh okay it's just in season all right fair enough he's like, oh that's great that's good i've gone yep look that seems normal you know you, you do realize that now that we're in season you do need to keep the dog at home or, or ideally away from male dogs uh he's gone oh why is that i've gone well she could get pregnant oh right obviously a well sourced you know hadn't googled a lot that owner but anyway that was all fine and then do, do you have a, do you have a book saying how to how to tell your dog to not get pregnant Without the how. Without the how, right. Yes, yes. yeah, okay. Tell yep. your dog you're not pregnant. Tell, tell your dog to not get pregnant. Yeah, that's a blank book, that one. Right, okay, right. Yeah, yes, just blank. Yeah. Tell your dog you're not pregnant. You just don't tell you, them anything. You just, just got to gaffer tape it around their swollen vulva to stop them from getting pregnant. And so I said, look, yeah, I think you need to. So he's going, well, will she chase the other dogs or will they chase her? I've gone, well, most likely they'll come over to her, but she's pretty receptive. So, you know, she's not running away from them, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, And then he happened to mention, oh, and also um, just uh, uh, she she chewed a, a remote control overnight and there's a double A battery missing. Oh, 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 wonderful. Okay. That's a little bit more serious than the season, I think. Uh, yes. Oh, and I've had, had dogs before that have eaten batteries and they passed through fine. Hasn't been a problem. Uh, oh, I, it is a problem because the acid in the stomach might eat into the battery. Oh, 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 really? Oh, okay. Oh, all right. So we'll just take a quick x-ray. Yep. Quick x-ray, no battery there. So just a little, if you've got a dog that's eaten a battery, it is actually a bit of a concern because the acid in the stomach could certainly destroy the coating or the the battery could be lodged in the esophagus or something like that. And and absolutely eat a not big, nice big hole into into the gut wall. So yes. interesting sort of uh, educational consult, shall we say, today. Yeah, just, just a nice tight 15-minute consult, mate. You would have yeah. done that one on your ear for, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the fact that you're with all your yeah. years of experience. Yeah. Was, you know, talk, talk about topsy-turvy. So you start off from pyometra, yeah. then into on-season, then, in, then into battery. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Yeah, and then you walk in the next concert and go, uh, thanks for your patience there, you're 15 minutes late. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh anyway. yeah, no, sorry. Just 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 had a dog that was uh, on season trying to not get pregnant and ate a battery. So mm, so mm. Well, what can I do for your dog? Oh well, <laughs> you know it's here, here for an ear infection, but I think it's also possessed and it's uh, you know got it's got a you know it's actually it's actually whelping all these things as well. You know, so I was actually go. actually next time was a dog with forty two lumps. But anyway, we could talk about that <laughs> another time. <laughs> can we just FNA uh, those lumps today? Yes, Forty two of them. Of, of course we can. Yeah, we we can, we can do in fifteen minutes. So if we do three every minute, you know, uh, we we can if we can aspirate stain, look at it under the microscope. Yeah, we can do that. We, It'll cost you six thousand dollars. Yeah, but yeah, I can yeah. get it done in fifteen minutes for you. Incredible. Uh, anyway, all righty. Big thank you to Zilkeen, uh, the mild anxiety, uh, anxiety lowering nutraceutical that's out there. Really good for those dogs with mild anxiety problems and cats with uh, with some anxiety issues. Maybe they've got a bit of uh, that stress related cystitis. The cats really mm. good to use. Uh, comes in a, a lovely capsule that you can open and sprinkle on the food. Um, highly recommend it if you've got uh, some pets with some mild anxiety certainly to try it and see if it can help 
and also uh, in preparation for possible stressful events, like I um, had someone start their uh, cat on it this week, well, their two cats, because uh, on that day she was bringing home a new cat uh, into a household where one cat already doesn't like the one cat. And so dealing with that by bringing in another cat, I said, well, this sounds like you might need to have some Zilkeen as well as some other stuff that we need to do. But Zilkeen was definitely part of it. So thank you very much to the good people at Zilkeen. Hey, and Lewis, you you wouldn't read about it, mate, but during the week we were having um, one of the other vets at the clinic came in and said, oh, do you know of a novel protein diet um, that we can try and use on a dog that's actually made in Australia because the the owner wants an Australian-made novel protein diet? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. Let me introduce you to Delicate Care. So Very nice. Care, sensitive skin, stomach, diet, novel protein, kangaroo, duck, uh, great for food allergies, great for skin allergies, cutaneous adverse food reactions and the like. Uh, just one of the many, many uh, brands of uh, food that uh, that Delicate Care produced, Lewis. What are some of the other ones? Oh, I do some great. They've got a uh, they've got a cognitive support that that's that's on its way. They've got a mobility support for those uh, the dogs in the colder months that are struggling a little bit uh, with some. It's got some great uh, things like your green lipped muscle. Uh, it's got. Oh, the only way I like my muscles is green lips, mate. Yeah, I think we've 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 been through that before. I think we know that you're just partial to the green lips. Um, Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's great. Uh, helps with gentle weight loss as well. The mobility food. So, if you've got a dog that's struggling in those winter months, certainly delicate care. It's always there, as Robbie says. That is the catch cry. And also thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers. So those of you who have gone to patreon.com and have searched up two vets talk pets and have slung a little money our way. And then we've slung some stickers your way. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. If you would like to go to uh, support the podcast at patreon.com. Well, why not pause the podcast? We'll wait. Thank you very much. And How now long? on with the show. Oh, was that long enough? Drigan? No, no, no. Cause they paused it. They paused it. Went to Patreon.com. Oh, so we don't pause. No, no, we don't pause. We don't I was pause. Gonna, we, I, we keep on rocking. They, 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 they are in control. I was going to have to have a cup of tea and come back. And then oh, when we'll they've come. then they've joined up and we get that alert on the phone, new Patreon supporter. Bing ping. We're there back. we go. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks yes. everyone for Patreoning over the over that period of a break we just had. Um, with with a cup of tea. Yes. Now this is an article I saw. Uh, Deb saw actually. Big thank you to Deb. Oh, thanks, Evan. Deb. Haven't had uh, a um, some contribution from not, Deb not for a for, while. Not for a while. This is uh, this is from the Age. Uh, recently, last twelfth couple of days. Yesterday, missing dog found after two months. 150 meters underground. Oh, gee whiz. That's a hell of a hole to dig at the beach. <laughs> yes. It's still looking for the boat, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's here somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure, it's sure, I'm sure I buried it. Last week I buried it. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Keane was 500 feet or 150 meters underground on a cave exploration adventure in Missouri when his headlamp shone on something he'd never seen this deep in a cave. Dog, a dog. She was skinny with matted fur and had curled up on a slab of cold rock, too weak to wag her tail or whimper. Keen had seen fish, frogs, and other small amphibians on his previous trips underground, but the last thing he expected to see was a dog. There was no telling how long she'd been stuck down there. 
We realized we had to get her out because she was too weak to walk, said Keen, 59, who was on a caving trip in Perryville, Missouri on Saturday with a small group that included several children. Oh, well, hang on. He snapped yeah. a photo. He's, he's there, there's a bit of a thing going, cavers and, and rescuing children. And imagine, imagine the, the dog stuck down the cave. I mean, where's, where's Craig Challen, the, the vet that rescued those Rescue 13, the kids? Yeah, 13, yes. the 13 Thai boys. Surely that's a case of him. Of all the people you want to call, you're going, we've got this dog down a cave. Do we know any vets? Any On the top of the list, has, has anyone, has any, vet had any experience with retrieving anything out of a cave well mind you i'm sure there's a few vets that have had to try and retrieve watches out of you know other you know sort of long dark tunnels over over the years you know (laughs) uh, you know uh, the wrong end of cows and horses and things like that so but you know this is is a slightly slightly different uh part of the training yeah he snapped a photo of the dog then headed out of the cave to call for help from emergency responders right obviously craig wasn't nearby unfortunately at the same time as an assistant fire chief arrived, Rick Haley, a caving suit enthusiast who happened to be nearby, overheard that a dog was found inside the cave and needed rescuing. He volunteered to venture back into the darkness with Keen and help bring out the pup. There's no telling how long she'd been down there, but we knew had it, we had to get her out, said Haley, who had just been surveying 2,000 feet of passageways in the Tom Moore cave system for the Cave Research Foundation. Haley and Keen decided the only way to rescue the wounded dog was to go back down and carry her up. If we didn't get her out, she would die in there, said Haley, 66, a cave with 30 years of experience. It would be a tough vertical climb to get her out, but we were up to it. Before Keen went back into the cave with Haley, he showed the photo of the dog to residents who lived near the cave. One of them recognised her as Abby, a neighbour's mixed breed poodle who had gone missing June 9th. Oh, wow. It's about five weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. Haley and Keen speculated she might have chased an animal into the cave or was perhaps swept inside during a flash flood. Or maybe she was chasing a soccer ball. It's like a reverse kind of. Yes. You know, the Thai soccer boys were, you know, and maybe maybe there was a soccer ball involved. Could have been. Did they see, did they see any evidence of the soccer ball in the cave? Good point. I don't know if that, that might have been further down. It was still might have been further it. down. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Haley and Keen speculated. We said that. Knowing that someone was looking for her gave them even more motivation to go back in and get her. They walked and crawled for about 15 minutes until they reached Abbey, but it took more than an hour to carefully haul her through lower narrow tunnels to the surface in a padded duffel bag, Haley said. The exhausted pooch's head poked out of the top. We had to move a hand over hand because pretty tight and vertical coming out, Haley said, noting that one point he and Keen had to slither through mud in a long corkscrew tunnel. It was tiring because of the fourth trip through the cave that day, Keen said, but we just took it slow and easy. The cave tunnel system is about 35 kilometres, one of the longest in Missouri, which is known as the Cave State, with more than 7,300 recorded caves. Abby was quiet and relaxed as they moved her through the tight spaces, perhaps because she knew she was being rescued, Haley said. She was extremely weak and emaciated from lack of food. Uh, she did have water in the cave. If not for that, she, would, she wouldn't be here. He and Keen noticed that her claws were sharp and long, which indicates she hadn't, quite, hadn't walked in quite a while, he added. When the pair surfaced with Abby, her grateful owner, Jeff Bor- Bonert, 
55, rushed over to get her and gingerly bring her home. He said a neighbour had alerted him about the photo taken by Keane. He was flabbergasted to learn that his adventurous dog had been found 500 feet underground two months after she went missing. It was absolutely astonished that she was still alive, he said, noting that the cave is about three kilometres from his house. She whiz. She's a real survivor. It took a while for her eyesight to adjust after being in the darkness for so long, but she's coming around. He and his wife, Kathy, gently gave Abby a bath and they made a large bath, batch, <laughs> large bath of chicken broth. At a bath oh, batch. chicken broth. Batch. Batch. Yes. Well, unless, unless, they, unless they were warming her up in the chicken broth because they thought, well, hang on. If we're going to cook up the chicken broth, we can just put Abby in the pot and warm her up and cook her the broth at the same time. Like a nice milk bath in a sense. Yes. Yeah. Very, very Cleopatrian. It had been a long time since she'd been since she'd had food. So we gave the broth to her in tiny increments to get her stomach moving again. She's still pretty weak, but she's responding to the nutrients. He said that on the day she went missing, she was out off playing leash, playing off leash, sorry, in the country with the other dog Summer, as they like to do. Only one dog came home, she said. She hangs pretty closely with Summer, so I knew something was definitely wrong when she didn't come back. It was sad to know she was missing. He said he looked for her and put out the word she was missing, but had no luck. Is there anything in there about Summer actually having conspired to uh, leave Abby oh. in the cave? Abby, Abby, run down the cave. I'll be right behind you. Yeah, go and get the soccer Summer. ball. You, you go down and get the soccer ball. Summer. Off I go. Yeah, it's a bit cold. Where are you? Sounds like, sounds like you might have had a brother when you are growing up, mate. Older brother. I, you go in yes. the cave, Robbie. Yeah, you go in the cave and, and, and then I'll just, I'll go off home. I only went caving the once, mate, and that was all I needed. You know, there was uh, the soccer ball could stay down there after that. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's an interesting place, caving, isn't it? Oh, uh, absolutely. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Although the uh, the the closest I get to a to a dark place is you know sort of cuddling up under my blankets and you know and sort of pretending I'm in a in a cave. That's 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 enough for me. I remember I did some caving when we were in, when I was in Thailand with Deb and. Um, we uh, paddled a canoe to who knows where, middle of nowhere, yeah. out in the middle of the, the sea or whatever it was. And uh, it was me, Deb, and another guy. And he goes, oh, there's some caves up here. So we go into this massive cave and they've got, you know, they're harvesting all the bird droppings with the uh, with the bamboo sort of um, uh, ladders that they do. And yeah. then he, goes, he takes me up to this cave and it was literally behind all the limestone, so skinny. I was just in uh, boardies. And yeah. um and a pair of probably sandals I suppose got into this cave and there's all this there was all this World War Two like relics and stuff in there it was really? incredible it was incredible just all this yeah, stuff I was like oh my goodness he goes yeah not many people come in here it was pretty tight getting in there Deb didn't want to come a little bit little bit claustrophobic claustrophobic all, yeah. but fair yeah. enough yeah it was incredible I couldn't believe it anyway don't know where uh-huh. that is yeah so there you go that's my <laughs> caving experience <laughs> no nice. dogs in there at all uh, perfect. At, Abby has been part of the family for 14 years, ever since he got her as a puppy for his daughter, Rachel, then eight. Abby is now able to take short walks on the leash, and she seems happily reunited with her pal, Summer. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Summer, yeah. guilty look on the face. Yeah. Oh, oh you're back. That's. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, what great. Now we're sharing our food again. Yeah. Oh, oh. great. Well, say tomorrow we go for another run off leash in the country together. That's right. Yeah. There's oh, look, five thousand three hundred other caves out there. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't check them all. No. <laughs> the family and the family cat Fuzzy. He said, "We're all really thankful." No, it was Fuzzy that was behind it. 
Mm. It absolutely mm. was the cat. It's always the cat. <laughs> We're really thankful to these two guys who brought her out. He said, noting that he gave ice cream to the cavers to help them cool off after the rescue. Oh, nice. Haley and Keen said they were happy to make the trip. If it weren't for our cave projects that weekend, we never would have found that dog. Haley said, when my head finally hit the pillow that night, I fell asleep with a smile on my face. Oh, excellent. What a lovely story, hey? That was also because he had gut pain because he's lactose intolerant and he just didn't want to not eat the ice cream. Do you want to upset the owners? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> hey, now I um I found uh, something that's a little bit interesting here, mate. It was uh, uh this is on ABC Radio Adelaide. Cat control measures in Adelaide's Campbelltown City Council won't include mandatory leashes. The mayor says a suburban Adelaide mayor has rejected suggestions that leech- leashes will be made mandatory under a crackdown on stray cats, describing the claims. As a furphy. So we see what she was doing there. Nice. Yeah. But like- Campbelltown City Council Mayor Jill Whitaker has conceded leashes would be one option available to owners when new restrictions on cat movements come into effect, which would ban cats moving freely outside. So it sounds like this local council are doing what a lot of their local councils are doing around in uh, Victoria and, uh, and around Australia, where they are uh, putting on a, a cat curfew trying to stop cats from being able to uh, uh, be out outside or uh, being able to leave the, uh, the owner's property um, really at any, at any time of the day. Um, and, uh, you know, going on talking of one of the interesting things uh, in here is uh, that the, the mayor has said, um, we've got many more houses. We've got many more people who are not wanting cats to come onto their property. She said, they want to be able to grow vegetables safely without catching the sorts of diseases that come from neighboring cats. Miss Whitaker said the measure was intended to protect native wildlife and stop roaming cats from being hit by cars. Well, sounds like priorities there in Campbelltown, vegetables, native wildlife, <laughs> And then not being hit by cars. So mm. you know, hopefully, hopefully everyone there enjoys their their root vegetables that they're growing out in the backyard. Um, but down the bottom of there, there was actually a uh, a link through to an older article from ABC from a uh, a, a bit of a a, 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 oh, a legend in the rock industry. Um, Queen guitarist Brian May takes swipe at Marion Council's cat curfew proposal. So this Ooh. is way back in February of 2020, you know, before the world ended. Uh, and uh, Brian May has um, he, he he got a hold of this. Uh, hang on, where are I? God, I've just lost. Um, uh, so he got a hold of this because it was actually. Uh, on the front page of the newspaper, right next to his, uh, uh, an article talking about their concert at Adelaide Oval. And here's what Brian May has to say about the, uh, about the cat curfews. At breakfast, the morning after our collective celebration last night at the Oval, Adelaide, nice front page review in the local paper. Thanks, guys. But what is catching my eye is the revolting headline that shares the front page. They're going to trap cats. What miserable bastard thought that one up? A law like this would give the worst elements of society carte blanche to abuse their neighbours' pets. How absolutely vile. Well, we have miserable bastards back home too. We always look for ways to disrespect animals as if they were pests. We fight them day in, day out. Fight this, dear friends in Adelaide. Don't let the brutal elements win. Cats have its much right to patrol the streets as humans. What are they going to do next? Put a curfew on birds in case they might poop on Mr. Precious's 
garden. I also noticed the, note the lame attempt to try and pretend that this is about protection of wild animals. It's not. And do they really think cats only scratch at night? Jeez, Adelaide folks, fight for the dignity of your non-human animal friends. Message your outrage to your MPs and local councillors. Make sure this barbaric, unworkable piece of nonsense gets laughed out of court. Um, and just for the record, yes, I didn't see the other headline was about a father killing his daughter. The difference is I can do nothing about this. Abuse of animals, I can do something. I can use my voice. That's what I choose to do. So because it's a newspaper in Adelaide, of course, there's something where someone's been murdered because that's what happens in Adelaide. But um, yeah, Brian, <laughs> Brian May, pro-cats, anti-wildlife. Uh, and um, and and uh, is also worried about uh, uh, here talking about putting in a, a bird curfew as well, which I think is quite a novel idea. Yeah, well, interesting to try and lock down you know, all the the uh, the Indian miners and the pigeons. All have to come on, guys, inside, inside sparrows out there. Yep, yep, Just, uh, cockatoos. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, co- you got cockatoos out your way, mate. Oh, oh, we got cockatoos here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. One or yeah, two. Yeah, anyway. The burbs there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, Brian May. Brian May, uh, you know, uh, touching base. Great. Oh, no, excellent uh, bit of commentary there from Brian. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what's I might move on to the disclaimer. Sounds good. All advice on the show is generally in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following advice of your pet. We are best provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we missed anything or if you need any clarification. What have you got, mate? Are you going to go a little bit Taylor on us? A little bit, a little bit of Tay-Tay? Yeah, you're right, mate. Spot on. Channel a bit of... Uh bit of a tea swizzle with the uh the shake it off uh song i um i had a uh a dog this week that had been in a bit early and seen one of the other vets i think and uh and the one of the owner's concerns was the dog had started doing full body shakes right than more than usual yeah okay Um, and so they come in to see um uh to see the other vet and uh and sort of you check the usual thing. So if a dog's sort of shaking, you sort of start thinking, well, they're shaking their head maybe. Maybe there's an ear infection going on there. And uh, or maybe you know, some dogs, if possible, they've got something in their mouth or some teeth that are bothering. Maybe they're shaking because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe there's something. So I came on for a full um, sort of examination and um, and the vet said, oh, look, there's nothing really I can find wrong with the dog. Um, you know, I'll have a chat to Lewis about it. Um, and so they sort of, you know, I remember, uh, Carl coming to me and talking about it and I said, oh, generally that shaking sort of stuff, generally it means that there's some sort of anxious event that's occurred before the shake. Right. Okay. Um, and obviously I haven't, didn't perhaps explain it well enough myself because I think it got back to the owner, um, that it was anxiety and the dog was really anxious. Um, and, and, um, and that's why I was shaking. So the dog came in for its vaccination um, and I saw it and you know, um, I was fussing around with it on the floor, giving it some treats and that sort of thing. And, and it sort of came up the owner and it's like, oh, can you check the ears again? You know, make sure they're okay. Cause we're still doing a lot of that sort of body shaking stuff. And I said, right. oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, um, and I looked at the history and yeah, you know, Carl had sort of chatted about that. And I said, Oh, he said, Oh, you know, we've been told it's anxiety, but, but oh no, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, ang- it's, it's not anxiety. You know, not the dog's not really anxious at all. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I put the dog up on the table and, um, 
And I said, well, you know, it does seem like check the ears, everything was fine. You know, these um is a really common sort of thing that we see. Uh, and uh, and it is often sort of an indication of what occurred before was something that I wasn't so happy with. Not that I was fully anxious about, but it wasn't a 100% comfortable experience. So I said, look, what we'll do is your dog's on the table now. Let's feed it a lot of treats. I'm feeding a lot yep. of treats. It seems quite happy on the table. Everything's going really well on the table. I said, now let's put the dog down on the floor. We put the dog on the floor. What's the first thing it did? Uh, it started shaking. Full body shake. And I went, see? Yeah. The, there we go. Perfect example. I said, so what's happened there is the dog's up on the table. Does it's not usually allowed up on tables, number one. Number two, yep. it's at the vet. Probably a lot of smells. Danger, dangerous un- things happening. A little bit uncertain as to what's going on. But. Even so, the dog was on the table taking treats and looked like it was enjoying itself, had nice, mm. relaxed body language. But yet when I put it on the ground, it would indicate I wasn't 100% comfortable with what was going on by that body shape. And I was like, yeah. oh, I was thinking there was full-blown outright anxiety and it was stressed because often when it's at the park, it'll be playing with another dog, having a great time. And then when the two dogs separate, it'll then do a full body shake. And I'll go, well, that is an indication that, yeah, we're having lots of fun, but it's just something about that that I just perhaps just wasn't a little bit sure about. Yeah. And I just shook it off at the end of it. Doesn't mean we hated what was going on, but it was just a bit like, oh, okay, that, that experience is over. And there's a little article that I, I saw about this by, oh. uh, looks like a Citizen's Voice, Lindsay Walsh. Um, and it's shaking off says a lot about dogs' feelings. Right. Uh, I love when dogs do the whole body shake off thing. It's adorable. And so typically dog, if you you're like most humans, you don't think much of this behavior. You probably notice it most when your dog gets up from resting. So that's a common time they do it or they get wet. So they just come out of the water or they're dirty. Functionally, this behavior keeps a dog's coat dry and free from dirt, fleas and other bugs, but has another secret purpose. Dogs shake off after they experience an emotional, maybe stressful moment. This can be good, I say you stress, or bad, distress, emotional moment. Yep. Example of good stress moments include getting to greet a favorite person or animal, playing a favorite game, and visiting a favorite place. Bad stress moments, meanwhile, could involve seeing something scary, getting into a fight, being touched at hand or handled without consent, consent or being at the vet. If you have a dog unfriendly, if you have a dog unfriendly dog, you might see it shake off after it sees another dog and feels the immediate danger has passed. If you have a dog who greets you exuberantly when you come home from being out, it might shake off after greet you greet it and provides scratches and hugs. Shaking off doesn't mean your dog doesn't like your scratches or hugs, but it does mean it's experienced an emotionally charged moment. I thought that was really well put. Yeah. Watch your dog this week and take note of when you see it shake off. I'm sure you'll learn something about how your dog feels about the world just by watching for this behavior. When you understand what your pet feels, you can react appropriately by either giving it a break from something scary or uncomfortable or taking note of how exciting a dog finds a certain toy, place, or person. When you're in a relationship, it's important to know how the other person or animal feels. This is a chance for you to connect with your dog on a deeper level. In summary, if your dog isn't wet, dirty, or just waking up from a snooze, the shaking off behavior should tell you how your dog feels about its environment. Please note ear infections and skin irritations can cause dogs can cause dogs to do the shake off, but it's usually pretty obvious they're doing it for those reasons. If you're concerned, 
always check with your veterinarian. So really, really cool little article. And interesting with that dog that I saw that, you know, it gave an insight to the owner that, you know, yes, it, it is a bit of an anxious sort of maybe even a, a really mild anxious situation. Yeah. Um, uh, ended up putting the dog on a tap again. I think um, uh, gave it a vaccination or something and, uh, and then, um, then went out of the room and, and the owner put it back on the ground again. Then I came back in. They said, oh, can you examine one other thing? And I, I don't know, look at its teeth or something. So I put it up on the table again, did another examination, put the dog back on the ground again. What did it do straight away? Started shaking again. Exactly. And I said, there you go. And the owner was yeah. just like blown away. It was just a, sort of just a different way of being able to actually show and actually say, look, the dog's going to do it right now. And I reckon if you're a vet out there or a vet nurse, if you start looking for that, I reckon every time almost you put a dog off the table after examining it, almost always there'll be a full body shake afterwards. And I say, oh, there we go. Shake it off. Taylor Swift done it again. Shake it off. Shake it. Uh, uh, oh, Nice Thank one, you man. very much. So there you go. Little, just a little bit interesting. I thought, uh, thought that was a good little, um, just a good little thing that often said to be anxious, but often it's not fully anxiety, and that's where owners can get a little bit mixed up. Well, because we do see it fairly commonly in the vets too. So mm. you know whether or not it is, yeah, you know, we go, oh, geez, you're shaking so much, and it's you know, much like yawning, isn't it? Yeah, where yawning is a, um, it's a, it's a thing that the dogs do to indicate a, a level of. Yeah, disquiet that they're that they're feeling so yeah you know well, yawning is definitely anxiety based i think yeah. like the, if your dog's yawning yeah that's an early sign of anxiety shake it off not always such a an indication of anxiety at that moment it's more everything that went before that was something that i just there was something just not 100 comfortable about yeah right so yeah, yeah. A bit, and, uh, yawning i think is a bit more specific in that that's Right now, I'm anxious. Right at yeah, this time. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. Whereas the shaking it off, yeah, it's a little bit everything that went before that. A bit like a play bow, but the opposite. Play bow means everything that follows me now after this is play. Whereas the shake it off was everything before that. There was something I wasn't quite 100%. It was a bit emotionally charged. Good way to put but, it. It was interesting when you're saying play bow. For a moment there, I was actually thinking about uh, um, about bow buns. And it goes, like play bows. How does that work? What's a, what's a play bow? Yeah, we, um, so, and then, so they go, oh, play bow, where they're playing, but they bow down. Ah, yes. right. Yeah, we're not, talk- we're not talking about food. We're talking about dog behaviors. Gotcha. No, not talking about the downward dog that you're doing uh, in your yoga class after your, your, Pil- your Pilates class and your, uh, your Taekwondo, mate. Just uh, the, the play the, the cra- bow. Yeah, it's not not so much crouching tiger, hidden dragon as uh, as as it, a, a torn, torn calf and crying middle aged man. Yeah, that's more the, that, that's more to the point. Um, so if uh, if you see your dog shake off when they're uh, uh, had things that they're not quite right with just before it, why not tell us? Send us an email at twovetstalkpets at gmail uh, and get in touch with us on uh, on Patreon, uh, on the social medias and all that sort of stuff. Which social media am I jumping on this week, Lewis? Oh, be real, mate. You're on Be Real at the moment, aren't you? Be real. Be oh, real. Mate, that's, a, that's the way I love, mate. I, I love in the real world. You I def- are definitely, real. definitely take the red pill, mate, or is it the blue pill? No, no, I think it was the blue pill. Not sure. Never quite sure. Yeah. But anyway, and also we've got the um, we've got the vet mental health ball coming up, haven't we, mate? Uh, in a, yes. Uh, about a month's time. So if you go into that, uh, we are emceeing the event. So come and say g'day on the night and say um, thank you very much for the free stickers on the table that, that Robbie recycled from four years ago. 
Absolutely, um, that, that yeah. Taken. Yeah, yeah. I've just been and, running around just peeling them off the fences around my house where I haven't been putting them on there. And so there might be a little on. bit of blue tack on there for, uh, yeah, so that's fine. It's reusable then. Yeah, I've taken the one off the Eden Hills cremation, uh, the hearse, oh, uh, just, to, just to just to put that on a table <laughs> from the conference. <laughs> anyway, already, guys, I think that's a wrap. What do you reckon? Robbie has frozen. So, yes, it is a wrap. Scratch you later. Peace out, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at Vet Behaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle. <laughs>